Hey guys, welcome to a Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a wife, a mother, and a person who's been suffering with severe health challenges for over 10 years. Through that time, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude. Now I want to share what I've learned with you, hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. I have an awesome guest scheduled that I can't wait for you to meet. But before I tell you about her, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my views on life for those of you who don't know me. First of all, I've been essentially living the quarantine lifestyle for over 10 years. I developed a health condition that makes it so I mostly have to stay at home, or if I go out to one of my safer places, I usually would have to wear an N95 mask to keep me safe. As you've all learned from your own quarantines now, you end up having a lot of time on your hands. You also end up on social media even more than before, trying to have some type of connection to the outside world. As I would be on social media, I started to notice how awful a lot of the people are to each other. It seems as the years go on, the world gets more and more divided. Politics, religion, race, sexual preference, and now even masks and social distancing. Everything can be a reason for bigotry, tension, and hurtful comments online as well as in person. As the years have gone on and I felt my have Heavenly Father's love for me as I face my difficult trials. He's also shown me how much he loves all of his children, all of his children, regardless of who they are or where they come from. Regardless of choices they make, he loves them all. He's also shown me that the answer to almost every problem facing the world right now is love. Love is the very essence of Jesus Christ, who we're supposed to become like. So as I begin my podcast, I knew that I wanted to share a variety of stories, experiences from people from all walks of life. I'm not going to get into opinion on what's right versus wrong. I just want to talk about showing love to everybody, regardless of orientation, skin color, country of origin, or economic status. Everyone deserves love, period. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today. She's been on her own journey that's taught her about that same type of love. Her name is Becky McIntosh. Thanks so much for being here, Becky. Oh, thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on this on your podcast and to have this conversation. Thank you for your, your love and kindness that you show all and for creating this platform. Well, let me tell them a little bit about you. So Becky McIntosh is a popular speaker. She's known for her inspirational stories, honest approach, and open heart. She enjoys traveling, humanitarian work, and caramel apples. <laughs> She's the best-selling author of Love Boldly, Embracing Your LGBTQ Loved Ones and Your Faith. She is the proud and humbled mother of seven children and an ever-growing number of grandchildren. She <laughs> lives in Lehigh, Utah with her husband, Scott, in a nest that's never quite empty. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. I, we're kind of half empty right now, but they come back. And then they bring more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us today, Becky. So as you said, you have quite a large family, seven children. So how many boys, how many girls? We have three sons and four daughters. 
Okay, that's awesome. And does everybody live at home? They are all grown adults, and most of them are raising children of their own. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my, my children age from 23 to, to 30, I have to think, 35. Oh, I have a 35. <laughs> you look so young. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that one. <laughs> so what would you say your family was like kind of when everybody was living at home and growing up? Oh, chaotic. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> children. Um, and five of them were teenagers at the same time, which tells you how close together I have my first five. Yeah. <laughs> it's wise, and there's a three-year space between number five and number six. Okay. And then there's a two and a half year space between six and seven. <laughs> now, you know, growing up, I, I couldn't wait to be a mom. I just wanted to be a mom and I wanted 10 children. Wow. And when we, we got married, I, you know, at first, you know, before I, I married, I had this idea in my mind of what my family was going to look like and how of this course. was all going to play out. Mm -hmm. And I was so certain that if I married a returned missionary for the from our church my same faith and we married in the in the temple and we um read our scriptures and said our prayers and we served faithfully in our church callings that our children were going to grow up without a hitch that our the you know the line to success was just going to be a straight line up yeah. and that was my plan straight and uh, narrow <laughs> It didn't take long as a mother to to discover that no life looks like this. It's a roller coaster, and and um, thank goodness it is because all the everything that we experienced helped me to learn and grow and figure out um, how are we going to deal with this situation or that situation. Because if you're a parent, you know that uh, one way to parent one child that works for one child and not the next child. Like True. you're trying to figure out what works for, for each unique personality. And, um, so yeah, so I would, I would describe it as chaotic, chaotic. But, um, <laughs> perfect chaos yeah. and, uh, uh, a lot of love with my kids, you know, we we're close together and we were a close knit family. We lived on a farm. So everybody had their, their chores they had to do every yeah. day. And, um, by, you know, my kids were very involved in sports and dance and, and scouts and, you know, every, everything that there was to be involved with, yeah. we were involved with it. And, and, um, I, my husband and I we were often the coach of their teams. I was involved at the PTA and room mother. And, you know, we, we, um, tried to be very involved with our family. So yeah, we were a close knit family. Yeah. Um, a lot of, yeah, just chaos and fun. <laughs> and love, <laughs> just, it sounds like. I miss those days. My house is a lot cleaner now. Yes. <laughs> Not all home, but I miss those times. I was just thinking that a lot of my family, they're going to Flaming Gorge this weekend, and I can't go with them because I can't oh. go camping due to my health yeah. issues. And I'm really sad that I can't go, but then I was thinking, I was looking at my kitchen today and thinking, oh, it'll be nice to have three days of a clean kitchen. <laughs> yeah, sometimes those, those days are nice, and then you grow to miss it. <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, there are really so many things that I would love to talk you, to you about today. Um, maybe we'll have to have you guys on another time, but in the interest <laughs> of time today, I feel like we should probably start your story maybe on a night in January 2012. So can you tell us what happened that night? Yes. Um, on 
as you said, January 9th, 2012, at precisely 11, 11 p.m. I know this because later we went back to get the exact message that our son had sent to us, and I saw that it was at 11, 11 p.m. Uh, but our son, my 24-year-old son, he okay. is the number three in a family of seven, and he's our middle son. And he was um, a student at BYU-Hawaii, and he was home for Christmas. And this was the night before he was to head back to school. Okay. At 11, 11 p.m., he sends his father and I a private text message uh, that just said, I'm not going to be around the bush. I'm gay. And then he went on to, um, to say some other things and, and express his love to us and, yeah. and, and let us know that he wanted to talk about this. And, um, and that just felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me. It's like, what? Like this was unexpected. Wow. I had at times had thoughts about like, is he gay? Just because he was not girl crazy. Mm-hmm. Here he was this good looking young man and the girls were all chasing him. He, he dated a lot. Okay. And he went to school dances, even at other schools. I mean, girls were always asking him out. <laughs> he rarely pursued them. And I just thought, you know, he's just such a good kid. He doesn't want to have a girlfriend before his mission. Mm-hmm. And then when he returned home from his mission and he was off, he was going to school, I would often say, who are you dating? Do you have a date this weekend? Oh, mom, I don't have time for that, <laughs> you know? And uh, so those thoughts like, is he gay? And I would quickly just brush it aside. No, he's not. Like I hadn't ever even talked to it to about this to my husband. So on that night, he came out to his father and I. He was off saying goodbye to his friends because as I mentioned, he was leaving that next morning to go back to school. So I immediately called him and asked him to hurry home. <laughs> But I wanted to talk to him about this. And, and the first thing I said was, I love you, Sean. Let's, let's talk. And <laughs> there's, there's a video of our family story out there that our, that our church did. And if you've seen that, I, I love that they were so real and, and raw about this. But if you've seen it, Sean spills the beans of, of what one of the first things I said to him was, well, what are we going to do about this? Um, get you into the doctor and you know, your testosterone levels must be all out of whack. Oh. So let's get you to the doctor and get them leveled out. And then you're going to like girls. <laughs> you know, that was my, my thought process. And he's like, mom, it's not yeah. testosterone. <laughs> and as we sat there on the couch, he said, mom, you're the first person that I have talked to about this. Mm. And that broke my heart thinking my 24 year old son had kept that to himself. And, you know, and he was, he was a happy kid growing up. Um, But yet he shared with me the, the anxiety or depression that he fought off and the years he said um, that he wanted to just take his life because he did not see a positive future, no matter what choice or direction he went. He knew it would cause pain that it was would would he could not see a win no matter which direction he went and he had decided he was just going to go to his grave and never tell anyone this part about him but he had reached a point that for his own mental stability he needed he knew he needed to come out to his father and I mm-hmm. and um so that broke my heart 
that I, I thought as a parent, I had created that safe space in my home that my kids knew that I would love them no matter what. And even if, and that they could talk to me about everything and anything, Yeah. but this told me that, that I hadn't. And, um, as you know, time went on and he opened up even more about his story and, and journey to hear the, the reasoning and things that kept him in the closet, which are the same reasons I hear from, from a hun- I've had hundreds of LGBTQ individuals and, and parents and families reach out to me and share their stories. And the commonality of staying in, in the closet boils down to fear, fear of rejection. Mm. They grow up hearing the things that you, that their parents and family and friends and church community say about the LGBTQ individuals. And so they, um, fear of rejection. And, um, and we were guilty of that also in our home. And that just broke, broke my heart. Um, but then on the other hand, him telling me, mom, you're the first person to know about this. I thought, oh, good. He hasn't told anyone. So we can, we can work on this together and nobody ever has to know about this. Mm, Um, we started on our, our, our journey of seeking to understand. And I found out that I knew very little about what it meant to be LGBTQ. I think that's so common in, in today's world, especially, um, living in a faithful Christian community. You are a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I know that especially in Utah, there is such a high suicide rate. And as you said, I think that's a lot of it is just that fear, um, of rejection from their church, rejection from their family, rejection from their friends. Um, it's such a big pressure to these kids. So as he was telling you, um, he told your husband and you, and at first I could understand that maybe it would be a little offensive to get it in a a message or a text (laughs) that you would think, why, why would he just send this? Um, how did that, do you, do you feel still the same way that it was hard to receive it that way? (laughs) Oh, it was very wise, very wise to do it that way. My husband was furious that he had done that, yeah. done it that way at first, <laughs> but as he thought back on, cause he did not respond in a, a loving way at all as he read that and was angry. Was and, he prepared? Oh no, not at all. This completely shook him. Yeah. Like he did not expect that at all. But then in hindsight, he was so glad. He, that Sean was wise, like Sean knew us very well. Yeah. <laughs> he was wise and sending it as a message so we could read it and process it. And, and then when my husband did see Sean, they, he just put his arms around him and, and hugged him and told him he loved him. And that's, that's what Sean needed. I he think needed. honestly, that's what most kids or even adults, he was an adult at that time, 24. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that is exactly what they need. They just need you to, to give them a love and tell them that you love them and that it's not going to change anything. That is so key because they have been wrestling with this for a long time. Yeah. When somebody comes out, it's because they've reached that point of enough is enough. I can't, I can't take this anymore because as we mentioned, they're, 
this brings a lot of anxiety and depression and suicide ide ideation and the suicide rate in the community is, is very high. Yeah. And so when, when someone comes out, um, they've reached that point where I can't deal with this alone anymore. And some may choose to just come out privately to one person at a time. And some may come out publicly with a big post and mm -hmm. tell the world all at once. And however anyone comes out or, or shares this about themselves, know that that's one of the scariest things that they've ever done to make themselves so vulnerable and not knowing how their family and friends and community are going to respond and hoping that they're not rejected. That as you mentioned, that they are shown love, that they are wrap their arms around them and say, I love you no matter what. And even if you're still the same person, I love you. And I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't know how to, how to walk this journey, but let's walk it together. Will you help me to learn to be the kind of parent, the kind of friend or neighbor that I need to be to help make this journey uh, the best it can be? Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things that I have learned along the way. I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and in my book, I'm very raw and real about our mistakes and journeys and the hurtful things said and done and, and the growth that came. Um, I wanted so badly just our family to be close and to everyone to feel loved and respected and valued. And this, um, especially when my, my son did start dating and met somebody that he wanted to bring home to meet the family, like that, it's a journey for everyone in the family. Yeah. And some said, no, I'm, I, if he brings a boyfriend, we're not coming. Or if we do come, we're not bringing our children. That would be condoning. And, and it was a process and a journey for, for everyone to, to figure out the best way to navigate this. Everyone wanted to love, to love Sean, but, but there's always difference of opinions and what that's going to look like. And we worked hard to seek to understand one another's perspective and to value them. And, um, but to pull together in, in reaching out to one another, to understand, to create that unity and love in our, in our home. And to me, that is success as a parent when mm -hmm. my children want to be with me <laughs> and when they don't, ah, it's a problem that I have. I, I have to look internally, like what have, what have I done? What have I said? Yeah. Um, I try to be quick to ask forgiveness when I do make mistakes or say something that it, that is hurtful and just seek to understand another's perspective and to walk in their shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a journey for all. So tell me kind of how you got to that point. So you talked about when at 11, 11, you got the text and then you told him to come home and you wanted to talk to him. And when you, you guys first spoke, you talked about, um, moms always want to fix it. I think that's usually a thing. And so you went into fix it mode. How did you get from fix it mode to writing the book and having that type of a. Yeah. Attitude? Great question. So I, in, in that conversation, first night, that conversation with him and we, we stayed up till after four in the morning talking. I, um, I truly believed him that this was a real part of him that wasn't going away. 
but I, I just, I just knew, okay, this is a real part of him, but certainly he's going to stay in the, the church and his faith and, um, what, what, what that looked like to him, either marrying someone of the opposite sex. And I made sure I pointed that out to him that I knew people that had done that. <laughs> um, and when I did point that out to him, he said, mom, I'm not, I know I can't marry a, a, a girl, a woman mm -hmm. I've, I've dated, I've held their hands. I've kissed them. I know it's not possible, mom. I can't do that. And I've never kissed a guy. I've never even held a guy's hand but I know I'm attracted to men. I don't know what my future holds, but he said, mom, I don't know if I can, can live a life alone. Yeah. And that just showed me the wrestle that he, he was ha having in, in, inside of, of reconciling his, his faith and, and his sexual orientation and what he was feeling inside. Um, I, so I had, I, I didn't feel like I could change that, mm -hmm. but I felt like he was going to choose, he would choose to, um, stay in the church. Yeah. Now my husband went purely into fix it mode. He, he knew he was going to fix that. He could become straight. Mm -hmm. Um, we were both on the same page of, of loving Sean, but, um, we put butts on our, I love you butts and not realizing how hurtful that was to Sean. He later would tell us um, all the tears <laughs> that he would shed after a text or an email that we thought we were sending purely out of love. Yeah. Um, scriptures or inspirational stories. Um, and he, he it, it, would, it would make him cry. He knew that they were, we were coming from a place of love, mm -hmm. but it, it really would tear him up inside. So you would be kind of saying like, I love you, but have you read this from this general authority? Or I love you, but that's what you meant. I love you, but here's this scripture. <laughs> here's this, just to remind you oh. that you need to cling to that iron rod. Um, mm. He finally said to me, mom, I've read, I read everything you and dad send to me. Uh, I had, you, haven't, you haven't ever sent me anything that I haven't already read before. I have been wrestling this my whole life. I have read everything. I have Googled and read everything that the church has ever said. That's why there was such a wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> I know what's being said. I, he says, mom, I, I was served a mission for two years. I, I taught the gospel. I taught the, the scriptures. I read and studied and pondered, spent a lot of time on my knees. Um, so he, he just, needed to know that we loved him, period. That's it. We love you. And that he could come to our home and not just him, any of our children and know that they're not going to be lectured to or preached to, but just love, love. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we, as human beings, we all seek that. We want to be valued and respected and loved for who we are. Yeah. And as parents, I get it, how you talked about at the very beginning, you had this, this vision of how your life was going to go. And a lot of it as parents, you have a vision how your kids' lives are going to go because that, that is part of your eternal family. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's one of the most sacred experiences I've ever had is to, mm -hmm. to learn how to see my children the way that heavenly father sees them and to realize that 
if I just love them, that's like, that's my job. I'm, I'm doing the things that I need to, and he, he can take care of everything else. And the whole reason that we're here on this earth is for agency and we can't fix them and, and try to fit them into a box that they don't want to be in. Absolutely. That's the greatest gift that God could have ever given me is to send me the diversity of my family so that I could learn to learn to love. And as, as you said, see them as God sees them and love them as God loves them. Um, when I finally learned to cast aside judgment and to just love, that's when peace and joy finally came back into my life. And, and it replaced the, the fear, the fear of the unknown. What is the future going to look like? What, how are people going to treat you? Or how are people going to look at me as a parent? Um, when I let go of that and just truly did what God has asked us to do to love thy neighbor. That is, that's truly when the peace came and my heart has grown a hundredfold. Yeah. So when Sean came out to you, um, he told you that he was, you were the first people that he had ever told. Um, as you talked about it, it took a while for you guys to kind of get on the same page as far as (laughs) what he was going to be doing with his life and, and kind of how you and your husband and family really were responding to things. Um, you talked about how he started dating and things like that. Um, how did you kind of go about coming out, I guess, as a family? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so about, um, two years after he had come out to us, he, he was coming home again for Christmas. So we basically would only see him at Christmas time and he'd come home from, from college for about three weeks. Cause in, in the summer he would go off to, um, to do, Oh, he did an internship in Thailand and another summer he went to Thailand to work in an an orphanage. And he just seems like the greatest. (laughs) He is. He is an exceptional, exceptional person. Yeah. And as each of my children are. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he, he was coming home for Christmas again. And um, it was about three months before he was to come home. And he said, said, Mom, you know, I've read everything that you and dad have ever sent to me. And I've asked you to read one thing. And you haven't read it. Hmm. And he, he told me the title of the book that he had asked me to read early on. And I, I immediately had purchased that book. And I had begun reading that but it was a tough read. And I would cry and cry and I tucked it away. And he says, mom, I've, I read everything and you haven't read that. So I, I promised myself that I would read it before he got, came back um, from Christmas. So I pulled the book out and um, it was filled with so many stories of, of the LGBTQ finally having enough uh, courage to come out to their parents. And only to be rejected and booted out. And I, th- those stories just broke my heart. I think, how, how could you do that? To, to me, I thought, I am not living my Christian faith if I turn my back on my children for any, for any reason. Like, the two great commandments is to love God and to love thy neighbor. And family, neighbor includes and means family. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, how, I could never do that. And then the other scenarios in the book were um, parents uh, think having just an immediate wrestle and with, do I love my child or I, do I love my faith and my, my church 
and thinking they had to choose one or the other and they were by all means going to choose their child and completely turning their back and walking away from their religious beliefs and i thought oh my goodness i i can't do that i need both and i am embracing both i need i couldn't imagine my life without sean i couldn't imagine my life without my religious beliefs and to me my religion my the gospel of jesus christ is centered around love love god and love thy neighbor and and so at that time i felt just this strong impression that i needed to come out of my own rhetorical closet as a latter-day saint mother with a gay son and to talk about it in a positive light there are a lot of people that were talking a lot of negative voices out there but i i knew i wasn't alone in this Um, I had just read this book with a lot of stories in it and it was an older book. And I knew that there were that I just knew I wasn't alone. So where were those voices? And so, um, I was Skyping with Sean and I told him that I had read the book and that this was the impression that I, that I had that I needed to start talking about it. And I said, what if when you come home at Christmas, like we make a, a video and I'm not sure when we'll put it out, but we only see you at Christmas. So let's make the video and then we'll put it out there when it feels right. And he was quiet for a minute. And then he said, well, uh, mom, that would really be putting me out there. But I feel it's the right thing to, to do too. He says, let's do it. I can see how it would help a lot of people and how it would have helped him. Um, if he had seen that much, much younger. So so when he came home for Christmas, um, our daughter who graduated in film and TV production, oh, <laughs> she nice. brought her camera <laughs> and her lights and her video. And, but we didn't, we didn't, um, talk about what we were going to say. And it was 1130 at night when we <laughs> sat down to do it. Cause she was heading back to where she lived the next morning. Um, and we just, we just did it. Spoke from our hearts. And our daughter narrowed down this 45 minute um, video that that night. And she she edited it down to um, a short little video. And it just felt felt right that it was time time to release it. And so I I had a blog at that time called Becky Mack's blog of mild chaos. (laughs) And and, um, so I wrote a blog article with it. And we t- entitled it A Very Real Matter, Same-Sex Attraction. And we put it on my blog and we shared it to, you know, it was on YouTube and we shared it to Facebook and Twitter. But it was so scary to push that public button, not knowing what the response was going to be. And before we made that public, I, I met with my bishop and the stake president mm-hmm. and said, i I'm going to start speaking about this and this is why, and here's the video and here's the blog post. And, and they said, well, you're, 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 you're brave. Okay. We under, we understand. And I says, I don't know what kind of feedback you may get people calling you up and saying, what is sister Macintosh talking about? Are we supposed to talk about this? Um, and, but it, it was, it was scary pushing that public button, but it was so heartwarming to see the positive response to that. Yeah. We just had hundreds of people, the many that we knew, the majority that we didn't know that were reaching out to us and sharing their stories and thanking us 
for talking about a real matter because every family, like every person knows someone that has come out, either a cousin, a niece, a nephew, aunt, an uncle, a neighbor, a friend at school, a colleague at work, like everyone. And, you know, no one wants to be marginalized and rejected or looked down upon. Uh, everyone wants to be accepted and loved and I'm grateful. I am so grateful that God sent Sean to my home so that I could learn about this and learn to, I feel to be a better disciple of Christ in learning how to, to love my neighbor and something that I, I feared or knew nothing about. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've had to to seek to to learn and understand and now i have just hundreds and thousands of, <laughs> of beautiful people in my life that i would have never have met if it mm-hmm. wasn't my for my son i think it's so interesting because um a while ago you talked about how love is the essence of the gospel of jesus christ mm-hmm. and love is really the cornerstone of your faith of our faith And then just recently you said that you were worried because you were wondering, is this okay to talk about? Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because I think that that is a very real thing for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think in their mind, they if they really thought about it, they're like, oh yes, of course, you know, Jesus said, love everybody. But then when it, it comes to actually speaking out and supporting and loving LGBTQ people, I think it's so difficult for them. And I think what it is basically is cultural versus doctrine. And in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as in probably any religion, I think there are a lot of cultural norms that honestly don't even go along with our doctrine. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So you, you posted this video. So that was about 2014, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We released it on two years from the very day that he had come out to us. Oh. So January 9th, 2014. Yeah. Oh. And then that started us on a whole new journey. Yeah. So talk about <laughs> that. Being asked to, to, to speak a lot on this at, um, firesides or or come into uh um to speak to to parents and uh relief society groups always afterwards there was a line of people hugging and and then whispering um sharing their loved one who had come out to them and how refreshing it was to hear somebody talk about this in a positive light and that yes you can love your lgbtq loved ones and your faith that it's not a either or it's you can do both you like i said i couldn't imagine not having both in my life and um so that that started us on our journey kind of put us out there there public and and then um yeah. two years after that in 2016 being approached by the the church to share our story they had created the the Mormon and gay website. They wanted to share a story of love and inclusion um, because they had the videos that were shared on there were, were videos of I am gay, but I'm, I'm married in the, in the temple. 
and yeah. with, uh, I'm gay, but I'm serving in the elders quorum presidency and they are beautiful, authentic stories. And I know each of those people that are, that are on the website and they are beautiful, amazing people and their stories are valuable. Um, but so many people were, were reaching out to the church and saying, well, what, what about us? What our family, what our family member has stepped away from the church. Our son or our daughter is in a relationship with the same sex. Like what, what about us? Where's the story to help us? And so they, they reached out and asked us, would you share your story? You are, are open about loving your son and, and loving um, the gospel. You're embracing both. Will you share that love and inclusion? Um, at first, when I asked my, when I told my son that they had asked us to share our story, his response was what? They want to show me as the bad example? No, no. They want to show a story of love and inclusion. And again, he said, wow, yes, I know how needed this is. I know how many lives this will save. So he was, he was right on, on board to share his story. And I think the church did a beautiful job of sharing our story in an authentic way. Um, my husband is very open on there of his, his thoughts of, of fixing our son and the, the extreme homophobia that he had, the, the, the jokes and the comments that he made about same-sex attraction or the LGBTQ individuals when our son was growing up. And my, in, in the video, my husband just tears up as he even mm. thought of it just breaks his, his heart. Um, and his journey is like, it's, it's a beautiful journey. He is a, a kind, loving man. And, and he was a yeah. kind and loving man in a different way. <laughs> but but he's, he shares his story. It's the last chapter in uh, my book. And the yeah. epilogue is his, his story. But the church, they sent a film crew out to our, our house and they spent two days with us. And the first day it was just me and my husband and Sean. And then the second day it was with our whole family. And um, they created this beautiful six minute video that really uh, shares our hearts and our, our journey and just mm -hmm. that compacted six minutes. Um, and then a year later, it was added to the church okay. website in, in 2017. And you can go to the church website and in the search engine, type in the Macintosh family. Macintosh is M-A-C-K-I-N-T-O-S-H. And it'll, it'll come up, but it's also on, on YouTube and it's yeah. also on the Gospel Library app. I'll link but. it so people can just access it right here. Easy peasy. <laughs> yeah. So from there, I'm sure, you know, after you released your video on your blog, you had a lot of people. Um, contact you wanting help sharing mm -hmm. their stories, different things like that. I'm sure that was amplified after going on yes. <laughs> this website. Is that what made you decide to write your book? Yeah, actually, um, it was Desert Book that reached out to me okay. and they asked if I would share our story in the in more more detail. There's this the six minute video that shows yeah yeah they're authentic of. Um, of the struggle that we had, but we reached joy and happiness within six minutes. <laughs> you know? That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, you show the bumpy road and, and mm -hmm. what a, the, the wrestle and journey, what it was really like to hear that. I think that's one of my favorite parts about your family is you guys are so 
honest about your experience because I think that that probably helps a lot of people. A lot of people in the LDS faith um, do have, tend to have homophobia or very certain ideas that a lot of them are just not right. (laughs) So I love how open and honest you were. As I watched your videos and read your book and I've listened to a couple podcast interviews that you've done. Um, on my podcast, I kind of like to talk about different strategies um, that people have used to allow their experiences in life to help them to be better instead of bitter. And I did notice one strategy myself, so I wanted to talk about that one first. I am really, really impressed with your family's level of communication and especially Sean. I feel like he was just so patient and understanding, it seems, with you guys. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the role that communication plays in your story and in your family? Yeah, communication is, is huge. And I'm the first to admit, I'm not the best at it. And our, our family wasn't the best at it, but we knew it was important. So we, we worked hard to be better communicators, to seek to understand and to ask, ask questions and, um, and then to talk about it when we have different perspectives and to just ask more questions to, to understand where they were coming from. Um, that communication is key and that, that relationship with that child is key. And when I, um, when I stop and I think about if what I'm going to, to say or how I'm going to react, is that going to strengthen relationship? Or is that going to create a wedge? Mm-hmm. Then uh, I, I know that the best way to respond is always from a place of love. And to, if I don't understand something to ask questions and to seek to understand. And yeah, yet, I love that. Sean was, Sean was so patient. He is a very patient person and that helped tremendously. He said he would just always tell himself when, when we or someone would say something and typically, you know, usually it's unintentional, those hurtful Mm -hmm. things that you say, like you, you don't, you don't think you're being hurtful or you're not meaning to be hurtful, but he would tell himself, he would remind himself that it took him 24 years of wrestling with this and seeking to understand this part of him himself. And so he knew he needed to give us all space to seek to understand also and to go on our own journey of how we were going to respond and and navigate this. And um, he was such a good example to that. And um, my number one go-to, and thank goodness, this was instilled in me as a young child. My number one go-to is drop to my knees and pray for guidance and help. (laughs) And as a mother raising seven children, and as I said, five were teenagers at the same time, <laughs> I spent a lot of time on my knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just love my, my brother, Jesus Christ, and my heavenly parents. Like, I know that no one loves me or my family more than them. And that mm-hmm. relationship has come through a lot of communication with them and turning to to God for answers and guidance. I didn't always follow what he, the impressions that he gave me, <laughs> the mm-hmm. love your son unconditionally, just love him, love him. I felt that so much, um, on this journey from God 
just love mm -hmm. him. But it took me a long time to figure out what that really meant because I kept putting qualifiers on my love. I love you, but if you ever start dating, you can't bring anyone to our home. I love you, but this. Um, and then he was so patient, and God was so patient. God never turned his back on me in frustration because I was making a lot of mistakes. He was always there. Every time I turned to him, like he still made me feel so loved and to, to see, help to see my son in a different way, in, in his way, and to know that my my job was to love it's god and jesus christ's job to to they're the judge not exactly. me <laughs> yeah. that takes a lot of pressure off i think if you if you can figure out how to live that way i think it's really hard to live like you're supposed to be the judge <laughs> so if you can figure out how to just live like that and just love really it it takes a lot of stress off <laughs> yeah yeah and it's and there's different parenting when you have kids at home and you have young kids and and teenage kids and when you have a, adults you know there's different kinds of, of parenting and, and healthy boundaries and and house rules or whatever that you have mm -hmm. to to set um but yeah once i think i think all my kids would say they wish that they had the mom that they have as an adult that they have that same <laughs> mom as as a child and a teenager yeah. <laughs> Same with the oldest versus the youngest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Becky. I really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing um, your story. I really quick um, the is it called the introduction or what? What part did Sean write in your book? Oh, he he wrote the prologue. The prologue. So yeah. Sean wrote mm -hmm. and told kind of his his. Side, I guess her, his interpretation of, of things and um, I just I hope that he knows that I I appreciate his involvement in this story just mm -hmm. as much as I appreciate yours and your husband's I think that all three of you being brave and vulnerable and sharing this has probably already helped so many people and I think it's just going to keep continuing to help people so I wanted to read a quote from him um, because I think it's really powerful and you did mention that he really quick um so he started dating and how is he is he in the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints has he moved on from that what is going on in sean's life yeah sean married his his partner boyfriend loved one um last august so it's been almost a year oh. and it, it was a beautiful day if yeah. it had happened a few years earlier, I think I would have I would have cried and been a basket case and like what is happening? But but um, this journey has helped me to just be be happy yeah. for for his happiness and to celebrate his special moments. And he he chose a, a wonderful person to spend his wonderful. life with, um, and he loves the gospel and has a relationship with his his heavenly father and he's exactly. um he shares that in the part so that's the quote that i'm going to read right now because i think it's so powerful so this is sean um talking and he said finally one night i was at my wits end as i prayed i felt an impression an impression that didn't make sense at the time i felt that instead of asking god to change me for the millionth time I should ask for something different. I asked God how he felt about me and if he loved me for who I was, 
rather than for what I was trying to be. It was the first time in my life I dared to ask God if it was okay to be me. I had never felt the spirit stronger than I did that night. And I hadn't realized just how severely depressed I had been until I felt such complete love and joy. God loved me. And I knew he loved me. I realized that not everyone will be happy with my life. However, I am. I know that my family loves me. I know that my Heavenly Father loves me and has a plan for me. And really, that's what counts the most. So I just wanted to end on those words. And I really appreciate you guys for sharing your story. If somebody has been inspired by the things that you talked about today, or if they're dealing with someone, a loved one um, coming out to them or anything like that, is there a way that they can get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm all over social media and everything. All my settings are set to public. So you can find me <laughs> uh, anywhere on Facebook. I also have a, a website, beckymacintosh.com. Okay. And um, yeah, so re reach out. And yeah. I, I don't know all the answers, but I have a lot of resources and things that I can, can share with people to, to help them and whatever they're, they're struggling with. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to my podcast. If something today has inspired you, please share it with others. I hope we all, as we all go through this next week, that we can remember that the answer to so many of our earthly problems is simply just to love more, to love better. And as Becky said, to love boldly. And we'll see you here next Wednesday. Thanks. Bye. I want to give a special thanks to my son, Carter, for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can find him on Instagram at CarterGuitar456. 